This is You Can Adopt, a series which explores and debunks many of the most common misconceptions about adoption in England. You'll hear first-hand experiences from many different people involved in the adoption process, with each episode hosted by recognisable voices sharing their own experiences of adoption. To find out more and to begin your journey towards growing your family, please visit youcanadopt.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching You Can Adopt. Now, enjoy the episode. Hello, you're listening to the You Can Adopt podcast with us, Carrie and David Grant. Over the last few episodes, we've spoken to a range of people about adoption, those who've been adopted themselves or who have adopted children, including those who've adopted brothers and sisters, children of a different ethnicity or older children. We've also spoken to birth parents about their role and voice in the adoption process and black adopters about their specific experience. Today, we're speaking to the incredible Ben Carpenter, a father who has adopted six children with complex health needs and disabilities. We'll be talking about his decision to adopt and specifically adopt children with disabilities, the support he receives as an adoptive father to his children and his day-to-day incredibly busy routine. Now, David and I are so interested in this because there's two of us and we have four children with special needs. And I know how we are sort of run ragged, aren't we? Run ragged, <laughs> run over, run out, every kind of run you can imagine. With, with sort of like four to two, we're a ratio of two to one. And I think that that's exhausting. So I'm absolutely intrigued to discover how Ben even survives at a ratio of five to one. <laughs> ben, I should say Saint Ben, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to meet you, Ben. And we obviously you've made this decision to adopt six children, which is incredible. Were there signs in your childhood that this was the road that you would take? Yes, definitely. I mean, my grandmother always said I was either going to end up on the stage or I was going to end up in care, uh, caring for children and or, or vulnerable, if you like. And um, yeah, I was that child. I was that little boy who would push a pram around and I was that little boy who had several dolls and would save up my pocket money to buy dolls and sort of, you know, play with them discreetly, if you like, because... You know, back then in the 80s, you know, boys playing with prams and dolls probably wasn't the the macho thing to do, if you like. But I was that child. And so I always had that caring disposition, if you like, within me to want to go on and not only care for children and adults with an array of complex needs, but actually go on to parent via adoption. Now, Ben, you could have worked with children, you could have sort of like done a job where you arrived and then you left at the end of the day and went home, but but you chose not to, you chose adoption. Why adoption, which is totally immersive, 360, 24-7 full-time experience? I actually did work within the care sector. Um, it was in working within that sector that I found my niche and that I worked with children from the age of four up to adulthood, you know, 30, 35 plus the children, and it was a residential um, living school and residential home. And it was there that I actually found my niche. And I thought, wow, I really found who I am as a person and where I want to go with my vocation. And there was just that niggle that was constantly niggling away that 
I desperately wanted to be a father, desperately wanted to be a father. And for me, parenting is much more, it runs much deeper than being biologically linked to a child. And it's never been about my, having my own children. And I knew that with my skills, I wanted to adapt that into my style of parenting, which is where I chose adoption. But you were very young when you adopted, weren't you? Your first child you had at, at 21 years old. That's incredibly young. That's right. Yeah, I was actually told I was the first single gay adopter, single adopter to to adopt within the UK at that time. And I was actually then told that that like, sort of spreads almost worldwide, if you like, because there's not very many 21-year-old you know, single guys come forward, um, especially from the LGBTQ plus community, that there really isn't. But I am that have got that fighting spirit within me. And at the time, the law stated that you could be 21 uh, and you didn't need to own your own house. And, you know, and I passed that criteria every tick, you know, that needed ticking. I sort of ticked. And I think there was the time a lot of is now the right time? Is is he ready? Has he got the time, the patience, and the commitment to give to a to an adopted child? And the fact is, yes, I did. You know. But Ben, what kind of preparation did you have? What prepared you for it? I mean, at twenty one, if someone becomes a father at twenty one, it's usually a shock to the system. However, what preparation did you did you go through? I, I've always had an older head on my shoulder and I moved up from Wales when I was 15 with my my father my father is a vicar and he he got a new parish uh, in West Yorkshire and we moved up and I, I almost had to grow up quite quickly really and I had all older siblings who kind of left home you know they're seven years and eight years older than me and they left home so I sort of had to grow up quite quick really and especially within you know the Christian faith and the living in, in a very religious household so that by the time I was 15 and I was living in rural West Yorkshire, but not so far away from a nearest town or city, I sort of was that 15-year-old child that was going out and getting into nightclubs and doing all the things that you shouldn't be doing at 15. But so by the time I was 21, I sort of, I'd done it and wore the T-shirt. And although I was still 21 and looking back, I could almost say, obviously, I wasn't as mature as what I am now. But the reality was that I felt ready and I felt ready to commit. And I felt this burning desire to be a parent. And just because I was 21, that shouldn't really, you know, stop me from from applying, really. I think that's a really interesting view. And I think I don't think you're wrong in that view, but I guess all 21 year olds are probably slightly different. And it sounds like you were a unique you're in a unique situation, but it was quite something to then not just adopt, but to choose to adopt uh, children with complex health needs or disability. Uh And you you specifically wanted to do that. Why is that? As I've explained, really, I I had this this burning desire and I, I. some people have got it, and as you you guys will be able to to understand where I'm coming from with this, you've either got it or you haven't. You either cope or you sink. And I have this ability, if you like, to see the child and not the disability. And I think that is how all my children and why my children have thrived in the way that they have, is because first and foremost, I can see them for who they are their wonderful quirky ways and they happen to have a disability 
so what? Yeah. And that's how I look at life. And that's how I have sort of inspired them to see how they cope with life. And, you know, some of my children will say, I can't do it. And I'll say, yes, you can. Never say I can't. You can. You know, just because you don't have radius bones in your arms and you can't find a way. We need to find a way. And that's why they've all become independent. So it was using my knowledge and using my passion, if you like, and adapting that to my parenting style, which I have done. And that's why they are also independent and the and the wonderful children that they are today. Talk us through adopting your first child, Ben. What was it like sort of preparing for and then bringing that child home? Wow. Well, I mean, where do I start? So, you know, I'd gone through panel, like all adopters do, and I really went through the ringer, if you like. You know, I was really put tested, you know, hmm. making sure it was right for me. And, and, and obviously when, when I got to that stage, I was matched to, to Jack, my eldest son, who was presented to me as a quirky child. And that's all it, all it stated was that he was a quirky child. Mm. So um, the day came when introductions started, and I will never forget this day. I sort of drove up to the foster carer's house, and I was very early, like all adopters are, because they don't want to be late. They want to make that good impression. <laughs> and I was at the bottom of the road, not wanting to be too early, and I was thinking, and this reality sort of smacked me in my face that this is it this is it there is no turning back this is it mm. and I uh, knocked on the door a couple of minutes early I left it a couple of minutes early not 10 minutes just three or four minutes early and uh, knocked on the door and uh, I walked through to the back I was greeted and walked through to the back door and this noise came daddy and I just froze that is the only way to say I froze. I had never been called daddy in my life. Wow. And more to the point, I had never had to introduce anyone as this is my son. This is my child. So I froze and I did not know for the first time in my life from this person who has always been amazing with children and amazing with disabilities. I froze and I just did not know what to do. So it was planned that, you know, take a seat, take a step back, let him come to you, and this is the way it's going to work. Well, within five minutes, you know, then all them fears and all them worries have sort of subsided. Obviously, everything works well with a cup of tea in England, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, so a cup of tea and, 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 and the nerves went. And quite quickly, I got to know Jack and Jack got to know me and we sort of rolled with it. And I was very much led by Jack and his needs. And quite quickly then, moving day came home and I'll always remember that day quite vividly. Uh, luckily he fell asleep in the back of the car. Uh, this, and I looked in my mirror as I was driving over the hills and, and looked in my mirror and he, you know, this two year old boy was in my car. And I remember thinking, this is it. Well, this, 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 this is your life. You are a single dad, you have a little boy and wow you've got to take each step as it comes and I have to say I've never had any complications with Jack at all quite quickly within moving in he got diagnosed with autism and he's now just turning 14 and he, you know he is his life and daily life is structure and routine and you can't as you know you 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 cannot mess with that structure and routine 
I mean, Ben, you're talking there and I'm thinking, wow, this is such an amazing story of this little boy shouting, daddy. And, you know, that that is incredible. And I can just imagine what that must have been like for you. But you've uh, adopted six children and I cannot imagine that all six have had that same reaction what is it like when you're when you're when you're adopting children with complex needs they're not all going to be running and saying daddy and they're not all going to be easy some of these children are going to be much more I don't want to use the word challenging because but you know they're challenging because of the situations they found themselves through but Mm -hmm. it's it's not a bed of roses is it no it's not and and it's not to be sugar-coated that that's for sure and I have been incredibly lucky, Kerry. I, I've been very incredibly lucky with how introductions have gone and, and, and I've been quite creative in, in that approach, you know. For, so, for instance, creating a moving home book for a child who's severely visually impaired, let's make a tactile book, you know. So, for instance, if a child was too, one of my children was too fed, you know, I would put a syringe so that they could feel a syringe you know, maybe like a, a button so that they could feel buttons on clothes. So I made it, I was very, very adventurous in how I created that. Um, and they went quite smoothly, if I'm honest with you. The last adoption, unfortunately, wasn't as smooth. And COVID as well hit, and he moved home in a very, very quick manner and talking two days introduction. Mm. And there was a lot of anxiety. And there was also a lot of issues surrounding you know attachment and it was very hard and I remember last year after the sudden death of my 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 late son in 2019 I remember thinking what have you done have you bitten off more than what you can chew you know in, in 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 wanting to make a difference and having this this amount of passion have you bitten off too much and it was only when I took a step back and I realized that this little boy had suffered a a very nasty uh, brain injury um, and had left him, had stripped him of his mobility and had stripped him of his eyesight and had left him with cerebral palsy and brain damage. And that how does this little boy feel? He has been, he's moved from his foster carer in a two day introduction to a house that's got lots of children, lots of sounds, lots of smells. And he is trying to, he processes all this. We all know as adults that there are days when we are pushed, we are stressed, we are, we don't know, and we're crashing and we're burning. How does a two year old child process this? and process the fact that they have got all these needs. And it was only when I stripped it back and I thought, you've got to get onto this child's level and this, this child's way of thinking. And I stripped everything back and we, we took each day as it come. And now he is a funny, adventurous little boy who you just know he's in the room. And it was by, by taking them, them small steps has allowed him to become the boy he is today and that that sounds incredible and it sounds like an amazing journey but it also sounds like it is incredibly time intensive you got like all the other children as well how do you do that as a single parent what what kind of support do you have yeah you know there's times when it's difficult and 
you know, I'm, I'm very lucky that I, I get to um, employ two carers, two very good friends, can I add, um, who are the children's godparents as well. And they work, uh, you know, some hours a week and they help me. And, and so, for instance, when Louis was settling in, and was going through them tough times. Jeanette and Nikki was able just to, to take the, the other children out to the cinema or the to walk in the park, if you like, which, you know, managed, give me time, that one-on-one -on -one time. As things have settled and as things have become more normal, if you like, and, and also COVID had a, played a huge negative part, but also had its positive parts in that we were allowed to gel as a family. We wasn't allowed to go anywhere. We're very lucky we live rural and we have, you know, a lot of outside space. But we were allowed to spend time as a family and for us to all gel, if you like. So now things have settled down and become the norm, if you like. It allows each of the children to be cared for in their own time and their own space. And the other child is accepting that that's got to be done before this has got to be done. And ultimately they all love and respect each other and they want to help. A couple of weeks ago, I had to tell my youngest daughter off who was took it upon herself, who had watched me. She's profoundly deaf and she takes everything in. She had watched me hoisting Louis uh, into his chair and she took it upon herself. I want to have a go at doing that. Okay. So as I was coming up the stairs and so in mid, mid drift, I was like, whoa, wait you know and but they just want to help and they want to learn and ultimately by watching and observing me with that caring role ultimately it's giving them a sense of 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 care and passion themselves but allowing them to be children themselves you talk there about the sort of the physical needs of your children and you have actually also talked a little bit about children adjusting so I'm thinking of what it might be like for David and I. I'm remembering maybe five years ago where we would have had one child school refusing, just absolutely point blank, wanting to not go to school. We'd have another one that would only get dressed if we dressed them and it had to be there to dress under the duvet. That would take maybe 45 minutes. Yeah. We had another child who might be throwing things around their bedroom and being violent uh -huh. um, and the one that we were trying to get to school would take about an hour and a half of what we would call very intensive sort of chatting talking therapy before we could get them to even get dressed yeah that's three out of four children and I'm thinking you know that's it's not I'm not really talking about the physical needs perhaps but uh, just those emotional mental health needs that your children have yeah how do you manage to meet all of those needs do you have support do adoption services help you so in regards to structure and routine within the house and getting the children ready on the morning I'm very lucky that all my children actually enjoy attending their educational provisions and I'm and, and they're super psyched to get up and, and get ready it's the maybe the um massages I have to do to get to get Louis's you know muscles uh, yeah. going on a morning and stuff so that can take a bit of time but thankfully I am a I am one of those people that don't need a lot of sleep to, to survive and my day does start at five o'clock in the morning you know I get up I prepare breakfast I get it all ready so also before I go to bed on a night I start to prepare for the next day so I will lay clothes out I will make sure that they're all ready so it helps me go into that to the child's room and, and get the children ready and, and it helps it helps to mold my structure as well as their structure uh, to help them on their day in regards to help from uh, from social services and how the health 
you know, professionals. I have a very, very good relationship with them all. I have their numbers if I need anything. If I think of things when I'm getting ready, when they're getting the children ready that I may need or may help make the situation better. A simple text, they get back to me. Yeah, no problem. I'll order this piece of equipment, which will help. It's about having good, solid relationships with professionals to ultimately help me and to help the children and the children knowing that I have a good relationship with the people who are there to help them medically and also you know professionally it helps them understand who they are and what they're about as well. So Ben it sounds like you actually you you are aware of the support you need and the support you you can access from adoption services, from social services, whatever, and, and, and you're doing so, and you have a good relationship with them, as you said, but uh-huh. who actually supports your mental health? Who supports you? Uh, a good glass of wine on a night massively helps, David. <laughs> <laughs> um, as does it, as do we all. Um, I, I'm a very open speaker. I'm a very open book. If I have any issues, any worries, you know, I seek help immediately. My mother, I'm very fortunate that my mother lives with me. Um, my mother has her own disabilities and obviously is not getting any younger, bless her. So my mother is there to talk and she is like a sister to me as my mother and we have a wonderful relationship. I also have my friend, um, Jeanette, who helps care for the children. She sometimes sleeps over. We have um, have a lodge in the garden and it's all done out for her and she'll go down there on an evening, but we'll have a glass of wine and... It's just about recognising, am I struggling at the moment? You know, do I need to take a bit of a back step? And and it was several years ago I realised that I am human. I do have batteries like everyone else, and then batteries need to be charged. And it was then I, I, I approached uh, the children with disabilities team and I asked, could the children be assessed for a care package that would entitle me to maybe a, a direct payment? which allowed me then to employ the two carers that I've employed today, which then in turn allows me to go away for once a year, for a week, no children. And I built up a wonderful relationship with Jack's foster carer who sadly lost her husband during the introductions. Um, and she's a foster carer who's cared for hundreds and hundreds of children. And we go away on a cruise and it is wonderful i can wake up when i want i can eat what i want without having to share my plate with how many children i can have how many glasses of wine without thinking i've got to get up early (laughs) it is wonderful and you know just to have that little bit of me time and have the reassurance that my children are being cared for in the same manner and respect that i would care for them no one can ever care for the children, my children like I would care for. And that's just a par- parent's way. And I'm sure you guys would say the same. We all have our own routine. We all have our own structures. But ultimately, by going away and knowing that they're being cared for, to, you know, in a high, to a high standard, makes me relax and I'm able to relax, you know? Sounds really good. Now, you mentioned about, you know, when you were a child, you just wanted to be a father. And 21, you became that father. It's We're now 11, 12 years down the line. But you're also a man, a gay man. Uh, what about meeting someone? Does that is that something that's possible to have a partnership? To, yeah. And how would that work with your children? How, 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 do, what, what are you thinking about that side of life? You know what, Kerry? I've, I've always said 
never say never. You're never, you're never out the house. How are you going to meet anyone? <laughs> <laughs> so if, if I can go back all them years, which I suppose really shows a little bit of my immaturity, if you like, when I was that 21-year-old uh, single guy coming forward to adopt, I can remember a, a very, I got matched to a very strict social worker who, um, she was wonderful, can I add, but she was a say it as it is type of person. And she asked me the very, very same question as you've just asked, you know, what about a relationship? And my answer to that was, oh, I don't want a relationship. Why would I want a relationship? I'd rather have a cup of tea and a slice of cake. It's less, it's less hassle. It's, uh -huh. you know, it's what it is. And she was very blunt with me. Her, she said, wow, what a childish, immature thing to say. And if you are going to answer questions like that, then it actually, you know, proves to me, are you ready? And I thought, what on earth are you talking about? She can't make me want a relationship. But as I've gone through life, who am I to say that Mr. Wright isn't out there? I'm a great believer that there's someone out there for everyone. And who am I to say that Mr. Wright isn't there and isn't going to come and engulf me with this, this love and all this that people talk about and you see on movies and I'm just blown away. And, and before you know it, you know, it's, you, you're emerged in this, in this relationship. Who am I to say that that's never going to happen? So what I say now is never say never. You know, you never know what's around that corner. And let's face it, if that person was to come around, they are going to have to be extremely like-minded to myself, a lover of children, passionate about disabilities, and overall, ready to be a, a parent themselves. After all, I'm only 37. And if some, you know, that can, in this day and age, can be classed as still being young to have children, you know? So it's going to have to be someone very like-minded. But saying that, I am happy as I am, I'm, I'm happy as a single dad uh, who is from the LGBTQ plus, plus community who can wave that flag and say, do you know what? I don't openly want a relationship. I do want to be a father and I am happy as I am. And I do enjoy going out every now and then for a glass of wine and tapas with friends. And it's okay to have a babysitter. And it's okay to do that. And it's okay to be a father to multiple children and cope. Many people in our communities, both the adoption community and the SCN or disability community, would talk about loneliness and how difficult that can be. I don't have time to be lonely, Gary. <laughs> Do you not? I don't. I really don't. I, you know, I, 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 I'm talking to you guys now. I, you know, I, I, I sit on an, an adoption panel, so I, I'm having that communication with with professionals and okay some may argue that it's all about the same thing it's all about adoption it's all about SEN it's all about children but that is my life and that is my passion and that is what I love to do a mechanic will go out and have a pint with a friend and talk about how many cars they fix a nurse will go out and talk about how many people they've treated a doctor will talk about how pushed they are at surgery an adoptive parent will always talk about adoption because that is the beauty of adoption. Adoption is never, is, is never off the cards. Adoption, as you will appreciate, adoption is in every part, every minute, every hour of your day. And that is what the beauty of adoption is. Some people may probably 
put off by that. But ultimately, you are adding every single day, you are adding to that adoption story, which is what is so beautiful about it. What would you do if, if you could go back to the very beginning? What would you do differently, if anything? I've never been asked that, David. And I have to put my hand on my heart and I have to say nothing. I love adoption. I love that I have become a parent through adoption. I love how I have managed to change my children's life, to, you know, and give them a sense of normality. And I love everything about it, David. I, ca I cannot say there will be people out there that have had a completely different outlook on adoption there will be people out there that are pulling their hair out of your speak. There'll be people out there that is crying out for support and maybe not getting as much as what they need. But I can honestly say that I haven't fallen into them brackets when I've needed that help and I've needed that support. It has been there when I have needed it myself. You know, I've known where to go. And I suppose that comes down to my personality, maybe. If, if there's one thing I had to, to, which really isn't about me, it was about how professionals maybe looked at my situation all them years ago to how it is now. We're a mile apart from where it was, you know? Mm. And I suppose that is how professionals have, have learned over the years that actually no shoe fits all. Two mums, two dads, you know, transgender, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's about can you offer that stability and that support, that support, that nurture to a child. Doesn't matter who you are. Which is wonderful, so wonderful. And Ben, you really are a total inspiration. There is no doubt about that. I'm just a little bit concerned in our podcast here that we're doing this about complex needs and disability. And you're obviously, it sounds, or you've made it sound as though you're really sailing through, which is wonderful and, and so hopeful. But for most people that are contemplating adoption, they, they, they may not have, most people will not have that experience, uh -huh. not with complex needs and disabilities. So no, no. I, I'm just wanting to just not not to be discouraging because i think that your story is incredible and so hopeful uh, and you know can be so encouraging for people to want to come forward and adopt but what would you say to people then who are thinking about adoption and are thinking well ben's story sounds amazing i've just adopted six kids and they all they all turn out that their their introduction into my family's fantastic and the journey's really great and they're all really succeeding and yeah you know what for those people that maybe that may not be the story for them? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is to point out quite rightly, Kerry, is that not everyone can do what, what we do. And we have to accept that. And for everyone, no, some people cannot, you know, care for children and adults with, with complex needs. I suppose also what I'm saying, Ben, is that not, you know, we, we, have, we are dealing with genetics here. So there are children who come with those needs who you know we were told this very clearly when we were in our adoption training you can't love these kids into 
into wholeness. No. And that was really hard for us. We were like, of course you can. You know, we've been married over 30 years. Of course you can be. Of course you can love this child into wholeness. And I think we've come to realize, actually, no, our child is our child. And that's how they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's how that's how we as adoptive parents have to ensure that we feel ready because ultimately that's about using your skills and your knowledge as an adopter and using your training along the ways because parenting a child an adopted child is so much different than a birth child and that's where you have to find a different style of parenting to how you were parented how I was parented there are things that happened within my childhood that you could never do to a child let alone an adopted child it's about understanding a child understanding that child's history understanding how how that child sees the world and sees sees how they have come to the very fact that they have come to be an you know, adopted child does that make sense Kerry yes yeah. that makes complete sense actually Ben a lot of people, when they think of adoption, they have a specific in mind. You know, I want a specific type of child or whatever. Yeah. And many people would never even have considered up to this point, and hopefully they are considering now they've listened to this, adopting a child with complex health needs or adopting a child with disabilities. Hmm. What is your message to all potential adopters out there who haven't up to now considered adopting children with complex needs or disabilities? Yeah. And the, the short answer to that is think outside the box. Every child that comes through the care system has an additional need anyway, given that the fact that they've come through the system. It's true. Yeah. So you have to accept that child for their life story. So that isn't a need in itself. When you come to that, that wonderful, exciting time when you're ticking that box, you know, children you'll accept and children that you, you, you feel you can and cannot accept, just think outside the box. There are children out there who may have, you know, learning difficulties. Fetal alcohol syndrome is a big one. I care for a child with fetal alcohol syndrome and there's this massive, massive, and it, and it breaks my heart. You know, I'm not saying it's easy, but on the other side, there's a joyous side to it, you know? Just think outside the box. Ask yourself, am I strong enough? Can I do this? Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Ask if they could cope. And more than anything, can they support you when the times get tough? There are so many children out there that are being overlooked because they have a need. Mm. You know, I'm not asking everyone to go come forward to adopt a child with profound disabilities like me because you have to do it because these children are waiting the longest I'm not saying that just think outside the box can I do this am I strong enough have I got the support let's talk to people who like myself has adopted what's the pros what's the cons what's the toughest times and ask yourself I'm already halfway there I am a strong individual. The very fact that I am adopting, I am a strong individual. Yeah. Can I push myself that little bit further? And usually the answer is, yeah, I can. And I know people who... Can I just also, can I also ask you though, Ben, if when you say, can I do this? I just want us to just, I just challenge you a little bit on what you mean by this. Like what is the most 
just in terms of the biggest struggle that you would have had yeah you know people may not think about that when they think about adoption they go oh it's a child who's got some trauma and so they've got some ADHD and we can say it in a fluffy way but actually in reality that may be something quite quite devastating you know yeah well for instance I care for children who who are tube fed I care for children who have stoma bags if you had a child, for instance, that was presented to you as a child who, apart from having a gastrostomy feed or a stoma bag, are you necessarily going to say no to that child because of a stoma bag or gastrostomy feed? Or is it something that you can really think, you know what, I can do this. I can do this. I didn't necessarily think I could, but I can. Yeah. And it's about them, you know. You will know yourself if you are capable of, of caring for a child with multiple complex needs. You will know if it, you have that in you or not. But you, likewise, you will also know that if you have that feeling for a child and then you all find out that your child has a medical intervention put in place to help that child to flourish and thrive, can you do it? And And it's about then trying to find that support and finding, can I do it? And ultimately this falls back on your support network because ultimately you were gonna need that support for hospital appointments, for, you know, from, for your own sanity, someone to talk to, you know? And that's what the kind of, this is what I was talking about. You know, to me, it comes firsthand, but to someone else, that is the biggest, biggest thing, Kerry, the biggest thing. How am I going to cope? How am I going to cope with this child? Can I do it? But for me, it was just like a walk in the park. Yeah, what stoma? Yeah, what, what gastrostomy? Because I've dealt with it. I've done it. I've done it. I've lived it. I've done it. But for someone, it's alien, isn't it? You mentioned, Ben, about the support network. There's an old African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. You started off by telling us that, you know, when you entered into this, what the people at the agency or social services or whatever saw was a, a young, single gay man. Mm -hmm. But you have constructed a village. You've constructed a support network. Yeah, it's how, how would you advise people thinking about this? they go about doing that. How did you do it? And how would you advise people to do it? Yeah, it's very early stages, creating that relationships with professionals, you know, and ongoing relationships. You know, I have strong relationship with pediatricians, occupational therapists, SALT team, every single one of my children's school, they all go to different schools to support their needs. I have wonderful relationship with the head teachers, social services, and then it spreads much wider to the community, you know, like the, all the children's activity clubs, teaching them sign language, teaching them how to care for a child who is, you know, tube fed, creating all this respect and this support around me that they naturally want to help and support back. And that over the years has been I wouldn't say it was a challenge. It, it, as you can appreciate, people move on, and and throughout the years, there's there's been different health support, you know, become available. But information is passed on, and respect is passed on, and I suppose that is they respect me just as much as I respect them. Yeah, I bet. And they recognise, they recognise how my children have come to to be who they are today and there was one 
quote from a medical profession who said that Ben has just constantly surprises me with his parenting approach and how he has completely blown me away with these children's abilities. You know, they, they were practically written off. Never walk, never talk, never eat. And they're doing that. And ultimately, that's what makes me proud. You know, I don't want praise. Over the years, yes, I have won awards and, and honours for what I've done. And, and, and it's wonderful. And it's wonderful. And it's, it puts me on, on the map there to say, hey, come forward. You can do it. If I can do it. You can do it. But ultimately, I fulfilled my dream in becoming a parent via adoption. And that is everything to me. Ben, thank you so much for your time today. You really are incredible. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of You Can Adopt. Listen out for more new episodes coming up. For more information and to take the first step towards growing your family, visit youcanadopt.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching You Can Adopt.